before I introduce someone today that's going to bring the word of God to us, I want to just speak to you on behalf of being the father of this house about an opportunity that we have on December 8th through 10 that I want everyone here to get involved with. It's a conference called The Table. And a lot of you have asked, well, if I sat through the series on healing the orphan spirit, why should I need to come to this? For two reasons, really three reasons. As a father of the house, I'm asking you to, because this is the first step towards moving into doing many conferences here at Bridgeway over the years. And that first step is usually the hardest. The content is not going to be just from the series. It's going to be from other global speakers like Bob Hazlitt, Robbie Dawkins, Darren Wilson, me, and Roy Giese. Jamie would have been here, but he's going to be in Australia ministering. I'm asking you to go online today and to sign up at the front of our website, which is uh, bridgewaychurch.org, at the table conference. It's a two-day conference. It's going to be a big deal. The Father clearly told me to do this, and I'm asking this church to rally behind it and to step into this, and let's get this thing going and and, and, uh, be obedient to the call of the Father on this house. I could say a lot of things about Jamie Galloway this morning, about everywhere he travels and speaks all over the world. I think uh, since he's lived in Greenville, he's probably been here about one every 12 weeks because he's always ministering somewhere. He's been connected with Global Awakening and Randy Clark for quite some time. Uh, I would rather spend time introducing our speaker this morning more, though, as my friend, a person that's been in my house. I've been in his house. I know him. I know Emily. I know the kids. I know what type of person he is. Uh, If you're not careful, a lot of times you can be so close to the trees you can't see the forest. This is a mighty man of God bringing the word today that speaks all over the world. Not just all over the upstate, all over the world. He has a, a mighty anointing. His prophetic gift is as strong as anyone I know. But what's even more strong is his humility, how real he is, how relatable he is. And so even though he does live here in Greenville and he's been in this house for quite some time, I want us just to give us an enormous Wild, go crazy, Bridgeway welcome for Jamie Galloway. Good morning. Wow, this is a wonderful opportunity to encourage you and uh, speak into the life of this house. And um, I'm, I'm sure I've seen you somewhere, met you somewhere. And, uh, but we, we, it's true. I don't spend a lot of time here in Greenville. I'm on the road quite a bit, uh, but I do enjoy it when we get back. I just, uh, went up north and then, uh, went to somewhere in the Midwest and, and, uh, it was about 40 degrees cooler than it is here. And so it's always good to get back into some sunny weather and, uh, it's November. Can you believe it? It's November. Maybe this is normal for you, but I was used to shoveling in Philadelphia deep, deep levels of snow uh, four times a day by this point. And so I'm excited not to be doing that. Well, I've got a good word for you this morning, and uh, I'm going to go through it really quick, but I'm also going to introduce myself to you in some ways. Uh, I've been here for over a year now, and my wife and I, we moved down from Philadelphia where we were pastoring a couple campus churches, and uh, we had one in Westchester and one in Philadelphia, and uh, the Lord hijacked our situation and told us, get out of there and come down here and just rest at Bridgeway. And so this has been an amazing journey for us to rest and relax. And I think the first few months I was, uh, you know, still detoxing because as a pastor, you're worried about many, many different things. And then about three months into that, I'm like, God, I'm glad Chad and Wendy have this. 
And so, you know, I've been watching these guys, and uh, how many love your leaders? I've been watching these guys for the last year, and it's really an amazing thing, and it takes not just the grace of God, but it takes a level of skill and talent to pull off what it is that they're doing here. You know, and I just want to honor both of you guys for just really stepping into this role. I know God has commissioned you. It's not a choice of man, but it's a choice by God. He's put you in this role. But I want to honor you guys for your sacrifice, for your service, for this house, and just being way makers in this region. You know, you guys have opened the gates for so many people in this region. And I know that in here, you have been blessed by their ministry, uh, and, uh, you know, it's interesting because it is true when you get close to someone, it's hard to see who they are because you know them by the, you know them by the soul. But if you can really look past that, you can see people by the spirit. And when I look at Chad and Wendy by the spirit, it's something there's, you guys have an incredible leadership here that really you should be, you should count yourself so grateful to have because what is in store for Bridgeway and the future is outrageous. And so I just trust what they're doing and I love who they are and the, and, and the level of commitment they've had to this house. And very few people know, uh, what it's like to pastor, uh, and you know, some, some people think it's just, you know, we're, we're getting served goblets of orange juice in the back room by angels, you know, uh, it's not true. And, uh, but, but yet there's reward and it's the reward of seeing people break through over and over and over. And so I've just seen that personally with Chad being in my life and, and, uh, investing in me and, uh, giving me an opportunity to rest here. And so I'm excited to be here with you though. I've got a good word and I believe times of refreshing are coming to this house. We were in the back room this morning talking about uh, this week. This is a big week. Uh, how many know it's election week? And, uh, but I'm not going to go there. That's not my business. I'm with Chad. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm here just to kind of minister what it is that the Lord's speaking. And uh, I, I feel like there's matters of the earth and then there's matters of heaven. And we want to be involved in the matters of heaven so much. And so I feel there's a, there's something here this morning that's going to break you through to the other side of where you feel God is calling you to be. For many of us, we want to go to the other side and many of us have heard even language try to articulate what that looks like, but it's hard. And I'm in my life, I'm like a spiritual scientist. I try to discover and simplify things, make th- take things out of sort of a mystical, revelational realm and make it common, make it simple, make it something that we can all understand and grab a hold of. And I find scripture helps me out more than anything else because it's a landing page. It's something that many of us, you know, we, we're looking for the answers, but it's right there in the word. The promise is right there. And so there's promises for you. And if you study them, you'll find them. You'll, you'll search for them and, uh, and it'll be good. And so I've got something good for you this morning. I want to start off in Matthew four seventeen, And, um, I, uh, I, I feel like this is something that I've been going through personally. And, uh, if you, for, for, for some of us, we, we go things, uh, before everyone else. Does anybody ever feel like that? You're going through things before everybody else is going through things. Maybe you're getting, uh, you know, everybody else is excited, happy, and you're like pushing through what seems like a hard moment. And when everybody else is going through a hard moment, you're like excited because you're, you've received the breakthrough. And, uh, I feel in my life that I, I tend to end, you know, go through things personally 
And then I watch this theme or this pattern where it ends up happening to the body of Christ months after. So what is going on in me, it begins to be a ministry that moves through me to touch the body of Christ. Does anybody ever feel like that? Okay. And so maybe a couple of you, I saw one hand. Thank you, sir. I'm going to minister to you all morning. Amen. And so I'm going to go off in Matthew 4:17. Matthew 4:17. It says from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." How many know that? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's so close you can reach out and touch it. And for for many of us, and including myself, for many years I thought Jesus was talking about the opportunity to go to heaven, the opportunity for salvation. And there is a real truth to salvation. How many know you're saved? Does anybody know they're saved, right? And I believe I am saved. At least I, I, I prayed that prayer this morning. But I, I believe I am saved. I believe I'm going to be with Jesus. I believe Jesus is coming back for me. And I believe he's going to come in the clouds just as it says. And I believe I will be caught up to be transformed and transfigured in a moment. It's going to be glorious. And I'm just praying it happens in slow motion. You know, I want to see it while it's going on. I want to watch as my hand completely becomes white light. I don't know. But I, I, I know that is real. But yet at this same time, we also have this life here on this earth. And it's not just this escape plan to get out of this earth. There's a life that's called for you and I to be victorious, overcomers, and live in this incredible richness of grace in this time, being fully equipped with every word. And so we have to begin to see the kingdom differently because heaven is for real, but it's not just something that we go to or somewhere we go to when we die. It's for us right now here in this life. And so Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Remember in John chapter three, verse one, Nicodemus, he gets this question. He's, he, he comes to Jesus and it's the born again question. He, Jesus, you know, redirects his, his kind of question and answers him in a, in a kind of a, what is he trying to say kind of way? And Nicodemus asks him this question and he says, where are you from? Where are you from? Because no one can do these works unless God is with him. How many know that God is with you? But the question is, where are you from? Where are you from? You and I have been born from above. We have a heavenly birth. And you and I can safely say that we are from heaven. I like to tell people I am from the future. Because you and I are from the future. You are a future model for generations. You are a future model of people. When people look at you, they get a little taste of the future. They get to see who Jesus looks like in heavenly places. And so we're from this place called heaven. And because of that, we can do these incredible things. And most of us are, are living our lives as if we're going to heaven but Jesus came to redirect the pattern, not telling us how to get to heaven, but how to live from heaven. And so our reality shifts, and no longer are we trying to press through this life to get to heaven, but because we've been born there, we get to access everything that is there and then release it here on this earth. And so what is the hang-up, though? Because so many of us are living life absent of this reality. 
we are, we're coming to church, we're, 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 we're doing the things, we're being responsible with our Christianity, we're, we're living in faith, all of this stuff, but what is the difference between us and those that came to Jesus in the book of Acts? And we have to begin to look at this and say, okay, God, there's something that needs to happen for me to get back into that place. How many know that sometimes you need to go back to get to the future? It's back to the future. And, you know, I feel like God wants us to get back to the future. And so for many of us, we need to take a look back. Where have I lost my way? Because there's something going on that you, you know it, you feel it. And Jesus has a greater life in store for you right now here on this earth. But we've, we, we've, we have to recalibrate in this time and repent. This word repent is not a dirty word. How many of you know that that's not a dirty word? It's not something we, we have to avoid. You know, there's a lot of language that's being thrown around trying to rearticulate things. And even people trying to rearticulate a scriptural language. You know, there's a language of scripture, but it's not just man's ideas. It's actually God ideas put on paper. And so we have to use spiritual language, as 1 Corinthians 2 says, pairing spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. We have ideas, but we have to find the spiritual words that match them, and something dynamic will happen when we pair these together. This word repent is one of those spiritual words, and I want to discover this today with you. We want to learn together about this. Jesus says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I repented. I remember doing that at age of five. I remember doing it at age of 12. I remember doing that at age of 15. I did it over and over and over. And I, 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 I knew I was a sinner. I knew I was messed up. And I had, uh, at the age of five, somehow, some way, I got a chick track. Does anybody know what a chick track is? I got a chick track when I was at age of five, and that thing scared me to Jesus. I read that thing. I thought, I... I need to repent. I, re- I went to my brothers. I didn't even know I was, you know, doing anything wrong. But I went to my brothers and I, I read the back of it. I, st- I was at that time starting to read. I read the back of it. I said, I don't want to go to this place that these pictures have in this chick track. If you know what chick track is, is it's a comic, tiny little comic that people would leave in bathroom stalls or anywhere, you know. And it was this comic that he would write together these, these scriptural moments that future apocalyptic moments and say, this is about to happen if you don't turn your life to Jesus. And it would be scary images, images that we see today on TV. And, uh, and I, I would look at this and I would go, I don't want that. I don't even know what that is, but I don't want to look like that guy. And so I, 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 I prayed this prayer and I repented. I repented of my sin. I repented, but I had not seen the kingdom. I had not seen the kingdom. For many of us, we've repented, and we've repented enough to get saved, but not repented enough to see the kingdom. The kingdom of God is so different, and so we've repented to, to adopt a different lifestyle, but God wants to present to you the kingdom. And when I say this, many of us go, what does that even mean? I'll be honest, only a few years ago, I would say, what does that even mean? What does the kingdom mean? Because I know I have the hope of salvation, But is that the kingdom? Paul the Apostle, Acts 26, it says that he spent time in his remaining years of ministry preaching two messages, the message of Jesus and the message of the kingdom. Two messages, one gospel. And he spent a lot of time on salvation, 
That's who Jesus is. He's our savior. Christ is our faith, our wisdom, our hope, everything. But then he also spent a significant portion of time on the kingdom. And, it, and so I began to look at this going, what does the kingdom mean to me? How does this work? Because I know that there's a hope of salvation, but the kingdom of God is accessible now. And I, I mean, I, I wanted, when I got saved, I wanted to go to heaven right away. And I don't know about you, but I didn't grow up in the church. I mean, I grew up in the church, but I was, I was the devil that went to church on Sunday. You know, I was the kid in the youth group. You didn't want your kids hanging out with me. You know, there was a, I got the cops called on me in youth group. You know, like that's the kind of kid I was. And there was a clear BC and AD moment in my life. I came to Jesus and boom, I begin to see, I didn't know how to explain it. I had, I didn't have language. I went around telling people, have you ever seen the matrix? It's like that. That's what it looks. I don't, I can't explain it. And there, and I was going, come with me. You know, I'm using this messianic language and I'm, and and people like, you're weird because I had shifted. Everything shifted, but it wasn't just my behavior shifted. My whole reality from the inside out shifted. I began to see the world differently. And I saw as if it was between someone who can't see in color, they're colorblind, to actually seeing full 3D, 4D, high definition, 4K, 8K, 16K color. And I was like, I can see now. It makes sense. I see the invisible realities, but I didn't have language for it. So I would try to tell people. Look, it's like, it's like gold dust. And they're like, what? You know, it's like, you know, I'm trying to use language that doesn't connect with people. And then I began to find in the scriptures, the answers. I began to see from the scriptures, the answers. And so I repented and I saw the kingdom and I go, I want that kingdom. What does that look like in my life? And here's the interesting thing. We are, we are not, not just We're foreigners in a strange land going to heavenly places. Amen. But you're not going to there. You're sent from there. As an ambassador of heaven, you've been sent. And just as an ambassador has an embassy in our nation, if you've ever been to New York City or perhaps there's embassies, you know, that that, that are around here somewhere. Embassy, that place, that embassy is a place that the rule and law of the land that it comes from is fully enacted there. So you carry with you not just an ambassadorship, but you also carry an embassy with you wherever you go. When people step into your atmosphere, they step into the zone of the kingdom of God. And, and, and Jesus would send his disciples out and say this in Luke ten nine, Heal the sick there and proclaim to them the kingdom of God has come near them. There's an atmosphere. There's a, there's, you know, Christ is in us, but he's also on us. Christ is in us for us, but he's on us to change the world around us. And the message is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You have this incredible resource. Imagine you have the energy resource the planet needs. All these crises, fuel crisis, bread crisis, shortages, this or that, famines, wars, all of that stuff. The answer is inside of you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And because you have that, you have the opportunity to get that out of you and change the world around you. And that, w- that is what he describes in Colossians 1.27 as the hope of glory. 
God wants to change the world. And he's, 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 he's set apart you and I. You're not just a, a, a Christian going to church. You are a world changer set apart by God to completely transform the layout of this community. Not just the community of the church. That's not what I'm talking about. Because when we think about this, most of us see the church as our opportunity. But the church is not your opportunity. The world is your opportunity. And many of us are praying, God, I need a church. I need a church. But he wants to redirect our prayers to, God, I need a Babylon. Give me my Babylon. Give me my world. Give me the place of influence that I can change the layout. Oh, God, I just pray that you would raise me up as an usher in that church. No, he wants to change your prayers. God, make me a change agent for your glory that I could change the layout of this region that people would step into the wake of your coming. He's coming to planet Earth. He's on his way right now. And he's going to change everything, but he's not going to come to a sleeping bride. He's going to come to an awakened bride that knows who she is and is actually in operation according to the patterns of the future. Not living according to this age, but of the age to come. So you are a glimpse of the future. You are a glimpse of the hope in your family, in your life. Everything that's going on around you should be a reality of heavenly things. And so what does he say? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change your mind. This word repentance, I've done repentance many times. And I've come up, I've said sorry, I've said sorry, I've said sorry. Sorry is not repentance. Sorry is the first step. Sorry. I'm so sorry. It's amazing to get a sorry from someone that, you know, you're like, hey, you know, you owe me a sorry, right? Does that mean you feel gratified by a sorry? You're like, hey, you owe me a sorry, you know? And they're like, sorry. And you're like, "Mm, that just doesn't cut it, though. I want more. Right? And... It's, it's interesting because we've, we've minimized repentance down to saying sorry. Repentance is not about saying sorry. Repentance, this word repentance means to change one's mind. Now we know that none of us can change our heart. Only God can change our heart. But by the grace of God, you and I can change our mind. We can change what we think about the world around us and who we believe God to be then our heart begins to change. Our heart begins to step into a different reality, a different understanding of things. And so I want to draw your attention to this. I'm going to, uh, let's go to Acts. uh, Actually, let's go to Daniel 7.25. Daniel 7.25. There is a war going on between the enemy and your destiny. The enemy knows what is on your life. Just as you write down the words of prophecy that have been spoken over you, the enemy also carefully writes down those things that have been declared over you and tries to set up a strategy against you. He is an evil genius. He tries to create a way to hijack your future, hijack your promise, and pull you out of what it is that God wants to do. But what is our promise? The scripture over and over tells us that we have this hope of promise. 
And I, I, for years, even as a believer, I would say, what is the promise? I don't understand. I need to know. And they would say, promised land. And I have these ideas of a land of promise. Like, you know, I'm going to step into a land that just, it's a land thing. Yes, there is a reality of that, but there's something different going on. And there's a promise that applies to each and every one of us, regardless of what land you are in. Whether you're in Norway or whether you're in South Carolina or whether you're in St. Louis, Missouri or, or, or you're in China, there's the same promise that applies to you over and over and over. It's the promise of rest. It's the promise of refreshing. It's the promise of rejuvenation. And I don't know about you, but I am tired of being tired. Anybody tired of being tired? You're like, I'm exhausted of this exhaustion. I cannot do this anymore, this tiredness. And I, I, I feel like the enemy has carefully cracked, crafted a chronic fatigue syndrome for the body of Christ. He has carefully crafted this exhaustion. And as it says here in Daniel 7.25, I'm going to read out of King James. I like King James here. And it says, and he shall speak great words. This is speaking of the Antichrist. And how, how many know that there's an Antichrist that will come? There is an Antichrist will come. But there, the scripture is clear that even now the Antichrist is present. Not with us in flesh, but with us in spirit. John would uh, 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 exhort the body of Christ saying, you guys, there's an enemy at work and he's trying to hijack your thing. His name is Antichrist and even now he's at work amongst you. And so he, we read back at Daniel about this Antichrist and watch his primary weapon. He shall speak great words against the Most High. So he boasts, he's, he's, he stands against God. And he shall wear out the saints of the Most High. The enemy, the Antichrist spirit, his primary activity is to wear you out. If you're experiencing exhaustion, that's an abnormal amount of exhaustion. You could take the, all you want of vitamin D, but it's not going to help you. It's not, it's not this, that, or this other thing that you're missing. There's something else at play against you. And I believe God wants to refresh your soul and get you to a place where you're actually living life fully awake. You ever seen zombies? Zombies are for real. Do you know that? If you go to Kmart at midnight, you will see zombies there, folks. I'm telling you, I went, I tried to get some, I had to get something for my car and some baby stuff and all this stuff at midnight. And they were like, it's in the back. And it was like, I went back there, flickering lights. <laughs> Nobody's there, flickering lights. And, I'm, and it's like real dim. And I turn around the corner, and I hear some grunting. And there is this man there, turns, and he's got one eye. I was like, ah! And I ran. True story. But many of us can live a zombie Christian lifestyle and not even know it. We're going through the motions. The only thing that's keeping you afloat is the amount of coffee you drink. You know, we're walking, I worship you. Oh, God. You know, do you have that spark in you? Do you have the awakening in you? Are you living life fully awake? And I... I begin to read this, and it's not just out of performance. There's something at work against us. Go to Acts chapter 3, 19. He says this, and I watched. You know, the book of Acts is an amazing 
book. I would even say it's the fifth gospel. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but I would even say that it's the fifth gospel. And I, I would even propose to you that it's the continuation of Luke's gospel. But that they've rightly, you know, set, set aside these. But if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John alone without the book of Acts, you're missing a major piece of the puzzle. The book of Acts is what Jesus came to establish here on this earth. And they are not this the acts of the disciples, but he, he actually writes to them saying, I'm going to tell you the acts of the Holy Spirit, the actions of the Holy Spirit among you, the actual things that God is doing, and he's actually performing among us. And we know them as signs, wonders, and miracles. We know them as souls added to the church daily. We know them as like, I mean, the church became this enormous place of resource and provision. Lands were coming into the church. People were submitting all of their, their livelihood. Things were happening, and it says that even their numbers were growing so great that many people feared being added to them. I mean, there was such a movement of the church, and it wasn't, I mean, you didn't have to ask people to come to church in that day. People were wanting, they were clamoring to get in through the doors because of the acts of the Holy Spirit. Now, I believe Bridgeway is called to be a place for the acts of the Holy Spirit. You're called to be a gateway. I'm talking where people are clamoring to get in here. And it's the, it, we can all the day love the wineskin, but we're not called to eat the wineskin. We're called to drink the juice that's on the inside. And so we have to understand the Holy Spirit is the juice inside the wineskin. We need him to be present. We need him to be here. So what does he do? And if I could connect the dots, Jesus' version of repentance says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then we switch over to Peter, and Peter gets up. He's so filled with the Holy Spirit, he preaches with boldness, a man that was totally a denier of the faith only, only days before, months before, but he now is so filled with the Holy Spirit, he stands up, he says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. This is the primary scripture in all of Acts. It is the quintessential scripture in the book of Acts that really gives us the core message of the kingdom of God. Repent so that your sins may be blotted out and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Whenever I step into this place and God begins to move, there's a moment you know, in worship earlier. There was a moment where the Holy Spirit, I mean, there was a mo- there was a lot of moments where we're, we're worshiping, we're engaging, we're pressing in. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just begins to fall. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just begins to engage us. And he calls to your heart. He calls to your spirit. And he says, you are mine. And you feel it. And you're like, oh, I just, I don't know. Is this a, oh! And you waken. You're, you're, you're all lost. You get your, your phone going off all of a sudden. The presence of God comes and you're like, you know, because the presence of God refreshes who you are. It makes new who you are in your identity. It brings you back to who you are and you begin to experience the abundance of God. Some years ago, I was preaching about the antichrist spirit and how it has come against the church and robbed the church of its purpose. You know, it's interesting because the message of the antichrist, it's not a popular message. It's, I'm not writing a book on it, but 
the book of Revelation is not a revelation of the Antichrist. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. But there is an Antichrist spirit, and its name is not Anti-Jesus. It's Antichrist. And I, I remember standing in a, I was in a Barnes & Noble, and the Lord had assigned me to go there. He says, go there. And I just stood there, and I was in the witchcraft section. I was just standing there waiting. And this young man comes up. I begin to minister to him. The power of God's present. And this witch comes, and she steps in between us, and she says, Jesus is a good man. And I said, Jesus is the Christ. She says, Jesus is a good man. I said, Jesus is the Christ. She says, Jesus is a good man. I said, Jesus is the Christ. And she goes, and she walked away. She was sent to do the exact opposite of my assignment in that situation. And I began to be aware that the enemy is there, not to expel the name of Jesus, but to bring down his, his, the, the, the Christ's signature of Jesus and take that reality away from his name. What does Christ mean? It means anointed one. Jesus is not just a good man. He's the anointed one of God. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one that is filled with God's glory. When we look to him, we see what it looks like to be filled with the glory of God. It says of him in Acts 10.30, he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So I'm standing there preaching this message, and I begin to pray, and I break the Antichrist spirit that's been an operation against people. At the end of it, and we're releasing Jesus you are the Christ. You come and you touch people, minister to people, awaken people to this reality that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. This woman comes up to me at the end. Everybody's getting prayer. She hands me this horse pill. I said, what is this? Look at the size of this thing. She says, it's the last one. I'll never take another one. I said, what is this? She, and she says, I've been healed of headaches. And I was like, Okay. Now, I've seen a lot of miracles, a lot of healings. But when someone says they've been healed of headaches, I thought, that's not a big deal. That's not a big deal. The Lord corrected me in that moment. And thank God this woman was fierce. She says, she says I said, well, that's awesome. Praise God. Let, let's pray for somebody else too. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. God's so good. Put in my church face. And I, and she, she says, no, you don't understand. I said, what is this? What do you mean? She says, I've taken two times a day one of these pills. One of these pills costs $20. The insurance doesn't cover it. And I've been taking these pills two times a day for the last 18 years just to deal with my headaches. That's a quarter of a million dollar headache. Imagine paying $40 a day just to do life. Just to wake up. When we began to release the power of Jesus through her, her whole reality changed. The enemy was sent to wear her down, but Jesus was there to pick her back up. I believe God wants to give you a pick-me-up, a time of refreshing in this house. And I'm going to declare that over you. Would you stand with me?
Times of refreshing are coming to this house by the presence of the Lord. God has given you leaders that know how to steward this thing. Know how to move into the glory of God, to step into that awakening. You are called to be fresh breath to people. A breath of fresh air. That when you step into places, you're fully refreshed. And then you can minister out of the refreshing. I'm going to ask Pastor Chad to pray this over us. The most fun part for me this morning is Jamie has no idea what I'm preaching next Sunday. I promise I am preaching on why the Lord asked his disciples to prepare a boat for him. And it was because he was prepared to get away from people. And Jesus knew how to rest. And from rest comes refreshing. Next week, I'm literally preaching on the weapon of rest. Just open up your hands right here. Don't you love God? He's brilliant. Is he not the most brilliant person ever? May you wear the enemy out in the name of Jesus Christ this week with the amount of intimacy you build with his father. Go in peace. Have a great week. God bless.